to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the anointing in this place. I thank you for opening our eyes, Father, that we see the real world, which is the spirit world. I thank you that we understand that everything that happens in the natural, there's a spiritual thing behind it, Father. Help us to be more perceptive in the spirit realm that we can see and understand what's going on with you, more tentative to the Holy Spirit so we can hear his voice even louder. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives even in this day, and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hey man, okay, First John chapter 4. We're going to talk tonight about a transference of spirits. Spirits are transferred. They can be transferred into people's lives. There are different ways that they are transferred. You have to understand that the spiritual world is there. Even though you can't see it, even though you don't feel it sometimes, the spiritual realm is the real realm, and we have to get more aware of it. Here in First John chapter 4, verse 6, it says, we are of God, he that knows God hears us, he that is not of God hears not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? Air. Air. Notice there's two forces in the earth, there's good, there's bad, there's demons, and there's the Holy Ghost. In other words, there's God and there's evil. Basically, the spirit of truth is the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God, and the truth is there basically to reveal things to you so that you can live free. The Bible says the truth will make you free. There's also a spirit of air. That is a demonic spirit, works in several different ways. There's books out there, there's TV stations out there, there's all kind of words out there that will bring you one or the other. It may be bringing you truth, it may be bringing you air, but there's words all over the place and these words are carriers of, for the spirit realm and they license spirit beings to be active in people's lives. Guideline for Christians is basically the word of God. The Word of God is your guideline. Agreement with the Word of God. Staying in line with the Word of God. That is the key to allowing the Spirit of God to be active in your life and God to be active in your life. So there's a spirit of truth. There's also a spirit of error. There is a spirit of fear. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear. Well, if God didn't give it to me, then I don't want it. So God has not do it. But notice, one thing you've got to understand in your own life, and we've not been taught this because of religiosity, is that you are in control, basically, of your life. God is not in control of your life. Many of the things that you've blamed God for, you've counted that God was doing this or God was doing that, were basically a result of you and what you were doing and what you were speaking and what you were saying and whether you were lined up with the Word of God or licensing. Spirits really have no authority in this earth realm whatsoever. The only body that has a, uh, authority in this earth realm is someone with a physical body. How many of you have physical bodies? Well, praise God. Then you have authority here in the earth realm. The devil doesn't have authority. God doesn't even have authority, the Spirit of God. So basically, they can only respond to what we do. The Bible says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound, and whatever you loose on earth, it doesn't say anything about God there. So basically, by our speech and by what we're doing, we are allowing spirits to be active in our lives and the lives of the people around us. Spiritual activity is based on what you believe. Say, spiritual activity. Spiritual is based on what I believe. And why is that so important? Because what you believe, you're also going to speak, and whatever you speak licenses things in your life. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11.
All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 3. Paul says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Here's basically he's talking about Eve. Eve got into air, basically. She got into something called rebellion. Say rebellion. rebellion. What is rebellion? Rebellion is anything that you do or think or speak that is not in line with the word of God. Basically, you are coming against the word of God. Words in your mouth or thought life that comes against the word of God basically leads you into deception and leads you into air in what you think and what you believe. Now look at verse 4. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which we have not accepted, you might well bear him. Notice here it says you can receive another spirit. You have already have the Holy Ghost, but you can actually receive a spirit of error. You can receive a spirit of unbelief. You can receive a spirit of rebellion. The words that you hear and what you believe and speak will allow spiritual activity in your life. And I'm not only talking about church. I'm not talking about the two hours that you're in church. I'm talking about every single day you're speaking something, you're thinking something, you're hearing something. And many times we don't understand that we are allowing spiritual activity into our lives simply by what we're thinking and what we're speaking. That's why you can't afford to have a bad day. I mean, you know, if you have a bad day, you're never speaking good things. You're having a bad day. And boy, you want everybody to know you're having a bad day. And you're thinking about the bad day. And you're talking about the bad day. What you're doing is allowing bad day spirits to be active in your life for that entire day. So what are we going to do? We're going to obey the Word of God. The Word of God says basically, praise God, this is a day the Lord has made and I'm going to and be glad in it. So what do I want to do? I want to counteract that with the Word of God. Otherwise, I'm allowing spiritual activity in my life that basically I'm doing just by the way that I'm thinking, and I'm rebelling against God's Word. I mean, know that God said, don't eat off the tree. The devil came along and said, it's okay to eat off the tree. So they said, it's okay to eat off the tree. It makes you wonder whatever would have happened if they wouldn't have been so stupid and ate off the tree, don't it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, that's a long one. Go to verse 110. 119, 110. Here it says, The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from his precepts. Here it talks about the wicked. That's dealing with demon spirits. It's dealing with uh, foul spirits of the devil. What do the wicked do? They deal here in air. They lay a snare for you, and that snare is air. Say, say the devil's snare is air. So what do I want to do? I don't want to deviate from the Word of God. I don't want to deviate from what God basically is telling me. That's why many of the churches destroyed because they have something called a lack of knowledge. They don't know the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to know what God thinks. You're going to not know what God has said and speak in line with God because you really don't know what He says. That's why you have to line everything up with the Word of God. Even if you hear a preacher, you have to make sure that what he's speaking is in line with the Word of God or they can lead you into deception. How many know there's religious spirits out there? These religious spirits just don't go around and jump on people. Basically, people were taught religion, and when they were taught religion, they spoke religion, thought religion, and basically ended up with religious spirits in their life. It's not something that just happened. Demon spirits don't go around jumping on people. Basically, you have to welcome them into your life by what you're thinking and by what you're doing. That's why the Bible tells you to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, then if it says rightly divide, can you wrongly divide 
the word of truth. You can, can't you? And when I was in religion, I was told God is in control of everything. It's all up to God. Don't matter what I do. Don't matter what I say. God's in control of everything. I didn't know it, but I was bringing demons into my life, uh, demonic spirits into my life because of the unbelief that I had in my life. So basically, once I got in the word of God and started revealing truth to me, I started slowly but surely getting free from those spirits because I no longer gave them access into my life by what I was saying. And I didn't no longer want to disagree with the word of God. Sometimes you're better off not talking so much. You know, the more you talk, the more opportunity you got to get in a conversation that's out of line with the word of God. You don't have to talk all the time, praise God. You can save your words. You're not going to run dry. Everything will be fine. So basically, you want to talk in line with the word of God. Even when somebody's not talking in line with the word of God, you, you can just be quiet. And then you can talk in line with the word of God if you want to. But you don't want to get involved in a conversation and go, oh, it's terrible. Yes, it's so bad. Everything's gone. Blah, 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 blah. And the more you do that, you're allowing spirits into your life who are just waiting for you, standing there, rubbing their hands, saying, boy, I hope they start talking unbelief with that other idiot over there. And they can both be in unbelief at the same time. And that, what do they do? Other people will suck you into, come on now. They will suck you into doing it. Newscasts will suck you into it. Books that you read, you've got to know the Word of God and understand that your words are very, very, very important in what you speak and what you think on a daily basis because you are the one basically in control of your life. Go to John chapter 6. This is why you can get people delivered, and I'll tell you what, two days later, they're right back with the same problem. I mean, it's not an instant fix. It's a gradual change of renewing your mind to the Word of God so that spirits that you don't want active in your life are no longer active in your life because you're changing the way you're thinking and you're changing the way that you're speaking, basically. You can get delivered by a miracle today, but if you go back talking the same way you were talking before you got delivered, how many know you're going to need delivered again? So we don't want to do that. We want to renew our minds. That's why we press into God. That's why we seek first the kingdom of God so our thought life and our mouths start to line up with Him. We become one thought with Him and talk like Him. All right, John chapter 6. Look at verse 63. Jesus is speaking. He says, It is a spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So Jesus says, here's the words that I speak to you. The words that I speak to you are going to bring you spirit and they're going to bring you life. They're not going to bring you death. They're going to bring you encouragement in your spirit. They're going to bring you life. Now we know from the Bible that the word and God are the same. God and his word are one. So when you're receiving the word and accepting the word into your life, you're receiving and accepting God into your life, the spirit of God into your life, more of God, if you can say that, into your life. It's not really more of God, but it's revealing to you more than you knew about him before. So the word of God comes on the inside. Now, basically, the words that are not spirit in life, well, then they're the opposite, aren't they? They're spirit and death. And we know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So those are words that are basically allowing him in your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Unbelief words, negative words, words that do not line up with the word of God, they cause transference of spirits into your life. And if you get deep enough, you'll start doing it to other people. Preaching is a spiritual transfer. Teaching is a spiritual transfer. What I'm teaching here on Sunday mornings or tonight, I am giving to you a spiritual transference of God into your life or a spiritual transference of a religious spirit in your life or an unbelief spirit in your life. You can come in here happy and leave depressed. Something's wrong. 
you heard a word that wasn't right. If you watch somebody on TV and you're all fired up for God and by the time you leave the half hour later you feel terrible, apparently something was transferred into your life that was not spirit and life into your life. As soon as you start to feel it here, ever felt that? That little knot starting to get in there? It's time to do something. Something's wrong. Somebody, have you ever ministered somebody on the phone who took 45, 50 minutes to give you the same old blah, 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 things are terrible, la, la, la. And when you got off there, you thought you helped somebody. Instead, you didn't help anybody. You even lost you in the conversation. Why is that? Because it was spoken death and unbelief and doubt and unbelief and complaining and moaning. And that stuff hits your spirit and it comes into your spirit and it allows demon spirits into your life basically by what you're believing and what you are speaking. So a lot depends on what we are saying is the way we are living. Paul, one place in Acts, always remember this, it starts in, he was in prison and he said, I think myself happy. And I thought, gee whiz, whenever I feel down, if he did it, I'll give it a shot here. I think myself happy, you know. So that means you can think yourself happy. And if you think yourself happy, you can talk yourself happy. All you've got to do is agree with God, basically, and line up with the Word of God. All right, go to Romans chapter 1. All right, Romans chapter 1, look at verse 11. Paul says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may become established. Now here Paul had a desire. He just wasn't coming there to visit. He wasn't coming to preach a sermon. He was coming there to help on Sunday morning. He was coming to impart some spiritual gift to the people. Now that must mean that Paul had the anointing to impart a spiritual gift to the people, and it also means that there can be a transference of spirits from one person to another person. And Paul wanted to impart a spiritual gift to them. You can impart joy to someone who needs it. You can impart peace to someone who needs it. You can impart peace to you who needs it. You can impart joy to you who need it. You do that through your words and through your thought life, and you enable basically the spirits to go to work in your life, either the Holy Spirit or demonic spirits. All right, go to Joel chapter 2. You're going to find out in your life a lot of times because let's face it, there's always an opportunity to have a good day and a bad day. There's always an opportunity to be up or be down. But basically when you start getting down, you're going to be able to recognize why you're getting down. And instead of getting down for four or five days, you can get down for 10 minutes and come out of it simply by understanding that you can release the Word of God in your life and allow the Spirit of God. You know, I mean, you know, where the Spirit of God is, there's joy. And there's joy in your life. So you can turn it around right away. And I'll tell you what, these battles come. How many of you know that? You just don't defeat them once and then, well, I'm never going to be tempted to have a bad day again. Yeah, till you get up the next morning. There's all day long. This is a spiritual battle that we are in, and basically we need to learn how to win in the spiritual battle because it's all got to do with spiritual beings in our life. All right, Joel chapter 2, look at verse 28. Joel 2, 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy... Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit. Look at verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will do what? Pour out my spirit. Say, pour out my spirit. 
Verse 29, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Say, pour out my spirit. All right, go to Acts chapter 2. Joel prophesied, I will pour out my spirit in those days. All right, Acts chapter 2, look at verse 16. This is the day of Pentecost. Peter jumps up and says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now what was spoken by the prophet Joel? Pour out my spirit. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall do what? Prophesy. Now notice there's a difference here. Do you see it? Joel said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Peter gets up and says, this is that. What is it? It's Joel saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. But notice what he does. Since the spirit's on him, he immediately prophesies. What does he prophesy? Now the spirit of God will be poured out of my spirit. Are you with me? Look at it again. He says, I'll pour out my spirit. But here he says, God's going to pour out of his spirit. So when did the Spirit come? The Spirit came on Pentecost Day. Now, did part of the Holy Ghost come on Pentecost Day? Did just His leg come on Pentecost Day? Just His hand come on Pentecost? Half of the Pentecost was here. No, it was the whole Holy Ghost. At that time, God poured out His Spirit, making it available to all flesh. After that time, He was going to take from the 120 and pour out of the Spirit that was on Him onto the rest of flesh. Are you following me? So the Spirit of God isn't poured out again. The Spirit of God is on people, and people transferred that. So you can trace everything going on in the world right now all the way back to the 120 in the upper room because the pouring of the Spirit that was on them came out on them and came on other people, and it's like a domino effect. It keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. This is that, so God's not going to pour out. If you're waiting for Him to pour out your Spirit again, you're waiting for the wrong thing because He's going to pour out of His Spirit that's why you need to be in a place and around people who have a good spirit to pour out on you. Amen. Don't hang around a bunch of deadheads. See, and it looks on here, it says, and my, my men will prophesy and my women will prophesy. People say, well, women should be in the pulpit. Well, if they got the spirit of God on them, they should be at the pulpit. Yeah. Unless Joel didn't know what he was talking about. See, we want to argue over all this stuff and all we do is bring religious spirits into people's life and they got enough problems without us helping them. So what did he say here? He said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. So he poured it out on the 120. He started a new dispensation of now mankind was going to pour out their spirit on other people who are other flesh. So he's pouring out the spirit. He poured it out on the 120. Now the 120 poured it out on someone else, someone else, someone else, and went right on down the line all the way down. So everything spiritually that the church has today came from an impartation or transfer of the Holy Ghost and power that was poured out on the 120 in the upper room. Now how many of you think that probably came from attitudes? It probably came from thoughts, and it probably came from words that they spoke. See, they, they relate it in. You know, when you give somebody spirit words and they get born again, how many know you transferred spirit into their life and they received it, got born again, and when they, when they spoke spirit, I am now saved, bang, all at once in their life, that spirit hit them and they got what's called born again. Notice in Romans, Paul didn't come just to preach to people. He came to impart something to them. Every place you go, you have an opportunity to impart part something to someone else as long as you're talking in line with the Word of God and you're doing spiritually. 
So spirits are transferable. Say spirits are transferable. Say words are important. All right, go to Numbers 11. This is why people say we don't have a whole lot of outside speakers come in, blah, 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 into your church. Unless I know who the outside speaker is and what they're going to impart to the people, I'm not going to have them here. If they impart the wrong thing, then it takes me a month to re-impart to you guys what they stole from you when they came here. Are you following me? It's not because I'm a one-man show. It's not because I don't like other people. It's not like I like other ministers. I need to know what they're going to impart into the people because everything they say you hear, you're going to receive something from it. Are you following me? Praise God. All right, Numbers chapter 11. All right, Numbers 11, look at verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me? How many know he had a pretty good church, pretty good size? Verse 10, Have I conceived these people? Have I begotten them that they should say us unto me, Carry me in your bosom as a nursing father bearing sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto your fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee, out of thy hand, if I have found favor in the sight, and let me not see the wretchedness. Now, how many know, as a pastor, he was having a difficult time right now? Basically, he got to a place where he had a lot of people there. He was dealing with a lot of people, and he went to God and said, Man, I can't do this. You've got to do me a favor, God. What's the favor? Kill me. Get me out of this mess. I don't really want to be involved in it anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. How I many you know, Mason, he had a problem, praise God. All right, look at verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest, to be elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them into the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them, that they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it itself not alone." So here comes God. God says, no problem. You've got a great anointing. I'm going to take some of the Spirit on you. I'm going to put it on 70 others. So those 70 with the Spirit that I took off you and put on them can support your ministry, and basically they can go out and help you with all these millions of people that you're stuck with here who are burdening you down. It, if you, if, can you see the type and shadow of the church? See, the church, there's a vision and there's anointing on someone, and that anointing then is passed down on other people, and those people are there to support and release some of the burden on the pastor because of the transference of the spirit. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So there's been a transference of the spirit on the Robinsons. There's been a transference of the spirit on Bethany back there. Anyone who's underneath this minister has received a transference of the anointing of my life on them. Now, how many know that you, you don't have to be the one who has the rod? Remember Moses had the rod, and when he held it up, they were winning, and when it went down, they were losing. So he got two people, and they helped hold his arms out. It wasn't their rod, but they were helping the man with the rod. Come on now. 
hold his hand up so they continue to walk in victory, continue to do things. Where did that come from? A transference of the Spirit on them who helped him, who was the one with the initial rod, basically, to serve God. So here comes God. This is what I'm going to do. This is the best way to do it. This will work. When I was, you know, when I was first born in the kingdom of God, we went up to Benny Hinn's. When I went to Benny Hinn's every week, I started to receive a transfer of the Spirit on him. I started to believe that God would actually do a miracle, that people actually got healed, that God wasn't sleeping up there and that he actually liked me a little bit more than I thought he did. All these things were things that air in my life that were keeping me down, that he was renewing my mind to do it. Then I hooked up with Kenny Copeland Ministries. Well, Kenny Copeland talked faith and the word of God and faith and the word of God and faith and the word of God. So under him, there was a transference, a love for the word of God and faith that comes from the word of God came from him at the same time. Then I ran into Christian Harfus. Christian Harfus is a pastor, but he's also prophetic. So under him, I started getting the, the prophetic anointing on me at the same time in his revelation and his about the Holy Ghost and his about walking and his about Christ on the inside of me. And if you follow those people, they all had someone also who they received from. So it was passed down. Lester Summerall passed down. Passed down. Benny Hinn got it. I mean, Kenneth Copeland had Kenneth Hagen. He had these guys who passed down the transference on them. The transference was passed down on someone else. So you're doing the same thing. You are getting a transference of the Spirit. No matter who you listen to, just make sure it's somebody you want to listen to and want a transference from that person in your life in order to do it. So basically, what does he say to Moses? You lay hands on these people. You pray for these people. And what's going to happen? I'm going to take some of the Spirit that's upon you. I'm not going to drop the Holy Ghost down on heaven on you. I'm going to take of the spirit that's upon you and I'm going to put that on these 70 elders and these 70 elders are going to do it. We, we have a church of 80 people and we probably got 80 elders. You understand? If someone got a problem, it doesn't get to me much because it's solved long before it gets to me. I mean, you know, that's a good place to be. I haven't one time had to say, God, kill me. <laughs> See, it's to my advantage that you grow up in the things of God. I don't care if you run past me. Just go someplace, for God's sakes. Learn something and help out in the ministry. So you're there helping. This one's helping that, and this one ministers that, and this one That's good. See, that's the way it's supposed to be, basically. And then that transference can go. If I don't have all my time messing around with all these little things, then I got more time to spend in this thing. Come on, get more of the anointing in my life, more revelation to pass down to the people who are here, and it just keeps growing and just keeps going. So there's spiritual transfers. How's here? He laid hands on them. And there was a transfer of spirits then on them. All right, go to 2 Kings chapter 2. All right, 2 Kings chapter 2, look at verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elijah, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord lives and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So here's Elijah, Elijah's following him. He's a man of God. He's spending time with him. Elijah says, hey, why don't you just take a break here? Basically, the word Bethel means coming to the Lord. So you can, you can take this as basically 
Elijah just got born again. He started following someone with the word of God. How many know that's what happens when you get born again? You follow a preacher that you can follow the word of God and you can grow in the things of God. So he found him. But he said, well, you're born again now. You know, that's good enough. And he said, no, I want to keep going. I want to keep learning. So in verse 4, Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord is now going to send me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as the soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Jericho. All right, what happened at Jericho? At Jericho, the walls came down. At Jericho, basically, uh, it was a place of victory. It was a place of deliverance. So you, you can take that back to your own life. As you grow in the transference of the Spirit, things that used to have you in bondage should be coming off of your life. In other words, walls should be falling down out of your life. Uh, deliverance should be coming into your life in certain areas of your life. Why? Because that's what God wants by the transference of the Spirit. He wants to line you up with the things of God so your mouth and thoughts line up with the Word of God so you're constantly enveloped in the, in the Spirit of the Lord rather than demonic spirits by talking doubt and unbelief and everything else. So we got to the place. He says, no, I'm just going to stay with the man of God. I'm not going to go anywhere. Verse 6. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, and the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as he liveth, I will not leave you. And the two went on again. Well, what was Jordan? Jordan, where they left, finally left the wilderness and entered into the promised land. So this was a time when, when faith was involved, when they had to walk by faith. How many know God wants you to walk by faith, not by sight? Gets you to a place of faith. You're still following a man of God. You're still learning. You're getting more delivered every day. You're getting freer every day. Walls are coming down. You're going more and more into the promised land. And then you get to a place in verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elijah, Ask what I should do for thee before I'm taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of my spirit come upon me. Hallelujah. I mean, that's a good ask. And notice what he replies. He said, man, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. I've only got a single one and you want a double one. And basically... <laughs> It's going to be hard for me to do. And, and notice, this is very important because you need to be submitted to a leader somewhere in a church. If you're from here, you need to be submitted here. If you don't like it here, find some place where you need to go to be submitted to a leader. Why is that? Because you need someone who's over you, someone who's teaching you, someone who's instructing you, someone who's giving an impartation to you. And if you get in that position with the anointing from him, you can start asking for things that he doesn't even have. Mm, dang it. Double portion. Say double portion. I just got a vibe there. Double portion. Double portion. See, see I, yeah, I went to Benny Hinn. Great. I went to Kenny Copeland. But I can get things they ain't even got because I followed them good. I, I taught, gave money to them. I followed them. I listened to Man, I know their tapes better than they do. I can preach half their sermons better than they could re-preach the things because I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And the impartation came. And I want to go further than that. So I take this one and take that impartation. Take that transfer and stuff them all together. And then I'm studying the word. New revelation's coming. It's available for you to have more even than the teacher and the the one over you has. Yeah. Praise God. He, I should not be your goal. He should be your goal. Amen. And the anointing of God which enables you to do everything. And that should be, don't get complacent, man. There's more for everybody. There's more things to do. Strongholds are falling out of your life. The more you get out of air, the more the transference of the Spirit is coming in. You never have to get a place in your life where you say, God, kill me. Yes. See, you can live in victory 24 hours, seven days a week. So he asked for a double portion. Look at verse 10. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, 
If thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be. Now notice, this is a transference of the anointing, not by basically the laying on of hands, not even by words, but basically by association. Say association. association. They associated with him. He stayed with him. He went to one place. He said, you might as well not go any further. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't quit. Even when he got rebuked from the pulpit, he didn't leave. Even when he got corrected from the pulpit, he didn't give up. Even when the man of God chewed him out, he stayed there the whole time. We got people going from church to church to church to church to church that are confused, and they ought to be. So you ought to be messed up. If you're going to 18 different churches and teaching, well, healing's for today. Well, God doesn't heal. Well, sometimes he does. Well, maybe he don't. Well, he might if you ask him. Well, if you dance around, maybe he'll do it. If you clap loud enough, you do. before you're done, you're all mixed up. See, because you've got a little bit of the anointing of everybody. You've got the religious spirit. You've got the unbelieved spirit. You've got the faith spirit. You've got the Holy Ghost. And you're so screwed up, you don't know what's going on, praise God. That's why if you're not getting any more free where you're at, just because your family goes there, don't mean you stay there. You go someplace where you start to get free in the things of God by the transference of the anointing that comes. Notice the transference of the anointing here is not laying on of hands. It is by association. Say association. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts 10, 44, this is Peter. It, verse 44 says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard what? The word. So what happened here? Peter wasn't laying hands. These weren't people who were following Peter. Peter just preached the truth of the word of God. That word of God is spirit and it's life. And what was preached, the Holy Ghost came upon these people simply by the word being preached. By the word. So you've got the association. You've got the word of God just being preached or being spoken to someone. You've got all these different ways of a transference of an anointing in your life. And they'll come into your life positively or they'll come into your life negatively. You can receive what's spoken to you. I mean, you know, when, when somebody gives you a word, you can receive that or not receive it. That's why you need to know what the word says in order to whether receive the word that they're giving you or not. If it's in line with the word, you receive it. If it's not, you say, you know, okay, praise God, talk to you later. You know, no problem. You don't have to get all upset. You don't have to do anything. You should be in a place where you know that you know whether it's the truth or not the truth, whether it encouraged you or didn't encourage you, whether it helped you or didn't help you, see? So you know those things. So what happened? By the spoken word, there's a transfer also of spirits. And how many know there's a transfer of evil spirits and words? Yeah. Walk up to somebody and yell at somebody. What happens? That spirit jumps on them. Boy, they just yell back at you, and then you yell back at them, and then you give them a piece of your mind. They give you all the pieces, every mind they got, and pretty soon, before it's over with, get World War III. And I'll tell you what, you can walk into that relationship even after they repent, and you can feel it. You can still feel it in the air. It's like hovering around there, the spirit of strife, waiting for somebody else to get into it. All that stuff is there, and notice it's us who decide who's active in our life and who's doing something by a transference of spirits. All right, go to Genesis chapter 6. All right, Genesis chapter 6, six look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was 
only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in his sight. Now, when I read this before I had any revelation of, I'll tell you what, just scared the heck out of me. Here's God, basically. He's got the whole world wicked but eight people. And what's he going to do? He's not going to help them. He's not going to really do anything nice to them. He's going to start a flood. He's going to drown every single one of those people. That means he's going to drown the men. He's going to drown the women. He's going to drown the little baby. He's going to drown the little baby. He's going to drown the animals. He's going to drown all those things. I mean, what kind of God are we serving, for God's sakes, that wants to drown the whole world? Well, what was he doing? There was a spirit of wickedness in the earth at that time. There were only eight people who had a distance themselves from that spirit that was in the world. What was he doing? He was killing the people who the spirit was on so the spirit didn't end up on the other eight people. Are you following me? When he had the flood, that was 2,000 years ago. How many know in 2,000 years he could have easily got to those eight people? And notice he needed somebody righteous. He needed a righteous woman who was a virgin who could have Jesus to come into the earth realm. So he had to protect. He didn't kill those people because he hated man. He killed those people because he loved man. He was trying to save mankind at that point so that there would be a virgin. Jesus could come into the world. They wouldn't all be contaminated by it. And basically at that time, he could start Jesus into the earth realm to come and redeem mankind. So why did he do that? Why did he kill all those people? It's not because he's mean. It's not because he, he was that upset. It's basically because he was trying to preserve a lineage for Jesus to get into the earth to save all of mankind. All right, go to 1 Samuel 15. For Samuel 15. All right, for Samuel 15, look at verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both men and women, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now, once again, if you're taught God is a good God all the time, he doesn't do anything evil, this is God telling someone to kill everybody again. Once again, now we know. Why did he want everyone killed? Because basically they all had a spirit of rebellion on them, all the women, all the children of Amalek. So basically in order to stop that spirit, he had to kill the people from transferring that spirit onto his people. Are you following me? Now, we don't do that in the New Testament. How many of you know that? How many of us would like to? Now, leave that go. Leave that go. <laughs> Basically, though, 
you know, the Spirit of God, basically now we have power and authority to cast devils off of people, don't we? We have to set them free to get that off. So this is Old Testament, say Old Testament, where the anointing basically was not there. So he told him what to do, didn't he? He commanded him, he made him king, he had all kind of confidence in him. Look at verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah, and thou comest to Sir, and that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that he did destroy. Now, did he do what the Lord told him to do? No, he didn't. He rebelled, didn't he? He rebelled, even though he was king, about what God wanted him to do, what God was telling him to do. He rebelled against it. So, verse 13. So Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed you be of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then? Why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and rest them utterly destroyed. Now, notice, he comes to him and he says, how you doing, Saul? Saul says, man, I'm really, really obeying the Lord. I'm doing a great job. I did everything perfect. Samuel says, well, it don't sound very good because I can hear sheep and I can hear all this stuff and oxen over here. I don't know what's going on. And notice what he says. He says, you know what happened? The people, them darn people, them people, they're the ones. They wanted us to keep the sheep, and they wanted to keep the oxen. They wanted to do these things. It's them darn people. It sure as heck wasn't me. I had nothing to do with that. Praise God. It's that congregation of mine. That's the way they all are. I'm trying to teach them out of it, but that's just the way they are. Glory to God. That's the way it works. All right, look at verse 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and he said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way of the Lord. He sent me, and I have brought Agag, and the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Verse 21, But those darn people took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Now watch this. If you don't believe it was the people and not me, let me tell you why they did it. They did it to sacrifice. They did it to sacrifice to the Lord. Yes, we were thinking about God the whole time. We were thinking about God and pleasing God. That's the only reason why we disobeyed him was to please him. See, and, and I'll tell you what a Malachite is. It's, it's, it's a type and shadow of the flesh. So when you get born again, basically, you've got a lot of Amalekites hanging around your, yourself. And you need to kill them things off one at a time. You need to get rid of them, you see. Not make excuses for having them. Well, and you get angry all the time, and the Lord says, you shouldn't be getting angry all the time. Well, I don't know. I think, basically, i got a right to be angry sometimes when this happens and when this happens. And What are you doing? You're doing just the same way that Saul did. Same way. Somebody says, well, I sell dope because I want to tithe. I want to please God. I'm supposed to be tithing, so I'm going to sell me some dope. What are they doing? Rationalizing. See, an excuse to do things. I mean, you know, we get excuses to do things. We make excuses to sin. We come up with excuses, but notice, you need to kill every Amalekite that's in your life. 
Everything that's in there, I don't care if it takes one at a time, you need to get rid of those things that are in your life because sooner or later, if they're against God and sin, you're going to speak them out your mouth and you're going to think about them and you're going to attract evil spirits into your life. So what happened to Saul? How many know God wanted him to be king? He anointed him to be king, but what was his problem? Well, once again, look at verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being the king. So what happened? Saul went into rebellion. He wouldn't agree with the word of God. He wouldn't do what the word of God told him. When he did that, basically, he lost his kingship or his kingdom. He lost his anointing basically because he was rebelling against the word of God. In other words, he would not come in agreement with the word of God, so he's lost his kingship. If you read further, it says, then an evil spirit came upon Saul. Well, why? Because God was punishing him? No, because he asked for it. He asked for the evil spirit to come. He was in rebellion with God. The evil spirit came on. It had nothing to do with God. God wanted him to be king. God wanted him to be successful. He didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to get him to do what he told him to do. But he didn't obey. And when he did that, basically, that's what happened in his life. So in our lives, too, you've you got to think the little things in your life that you need to change, you need to change them. Those are Amalekites. You've got to get them out of your life one by one. You've got to get them out of there. You've got to get offense out of your life. You've got to get unforgiveness out of your life. You've got to get those attitudes out of your life that are in there one by one because you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. Now, I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to paraphrase some of this stuff. It's just the way it's going to have to happen, praise God. But there's a, another story in the Bible in Genesis about Sodom and Gomorrah. How many of you know that story? What happened? A lot went there, and basically the angel showed up, and the angel got there, and, and they got outside their house, and, and the people that were there didn't want them to go in the house. They wanted them to come out so that they could know them. Say, know them. How I many know what know them means in that verse? Yeah, they wanted to have sexual things with these lot. So what did they do? They went in, inside the house. Now, let me ask you, do you think it was a July 15th, uh, some year, and all at once everybody in that town woke up, and they all were homosexual? Uh, I woke up homosexual. Did you? Yes. Did you? Yes, I did. Let's call our sister. Did you get homosexual today too? You did? No. This started someplace. Come on now. Started someplace and there was a transference of this spirit in that city. It kept transferring, kept transferring, kept transferring. You know that same spirit might be active today? Only today the problem is it's sanctioned. It used to be looked down upon on. Now it's sanctioned. It's given every right it wants to jump from one to the next to the next because we're supposed to honor those people with that thing. We're supposed to. But notice, God's not mad at the people. He's trying to stop that transfer of spirits. So, so what did he do? He threw down a little fire and brimstone. How many know that took care of it? Yeah, burn all the people up who had the thing. How many know that spirit didn't have any place to go then for a while? He had to be looking somewhere else. What was God doing again? Did he hate all those people? No, he was trying to stop the transference of spirits in the people's lives so it wouldn't go any further into the lives of his people. There's another time when basically it, the people of Israel were all together and basically they got mad at Moses. Seems like they, if you read the Old Testament, they were mad at Moses all the time, that poor guy. I mean, he couldn't do nothing right, I'm telling you. So they're all mad at him. And they're, they're saying, Moses, you, you think you're the only one who hears from God? Let me tell you what, we hear from God too. And this is the way we want to run this church. This is what we think ought to be done in this church. We've got to, we know what we need to do in this church. We know where you're failing in this church. We need to do this stuff. And God heard it. Say, God heard it. I mean, if God hears it, it's bad. So what did they do? They got all troubled, didn't they? And Moses said, hey, you need to straighten up your act. You need to do it. So we're going to make a censer of fire. We're going to take it up the mountain, and we're going to offer it to God to save you people's life. And they say, we ain't coming up. 
We know better than you. We ain't coming up with you. We just ain't going to do that. Moses said, you better come up with me. They said, we ain't coming up with you. We don't even like you. We don't want to do ever. So God comes down and says, just, you better separate yourself from them. Moses says, why? There's going to be a problem coming very shortly. So what does he do? He moves Moses off to the side. Moses gets all the people who are with him who are righteous, stand over here. They're standing over there. And, and he says, okay, we'll find out who's right and who's wrong here. If you just fall down and die, I'm wrong. But if the earth opens up and swaddles you, then that means that you were probably wrong and I was probably right. And how many know what happened? The earth opened up and guess what happened? Swaddled. A lot of people. 14,000 people. Right down. And you know what happened four days later? They started murmuring against Moses. Now you think you'd learn. I mean, if the earth opened up in front of me and swallowed up 1,400 people, 14,000 people, I'd say, Moses, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Moses, for being here. But they didn't do that, see? So they rebelled against him once again. Moses said, you better not do this. What happened? A plague came on those people. Died one after the other, after the other, after the other. The other were separated. Why? Rebellion allowed the spirit in there. God did not kill them. The spirit of rebellion got in their lives and ended up destroying them and killing them. So basically, these are all stories in the Bible. There's one where, where his relation came to him, Moses, and said that they should, well, you think you're better than everybody else. We should be up there in management even ahead of you and doing better. And it was Miriam. I mean, oh, Miriam was his sister. And you know why they were mad at him? Because he married an Ethiopian. <gasps> oh, my God. He married a black lady. Can you believe that? That's terrible. Moses married a black lady. That's terrible. Moses said, I'm praying for you. Notice what this leader does. I mean, I'm praying for you instead of getting mad. Praying for you. I'm praying the best for you. I'm wetter. So God comes down and says, hey, I heard that. And Moses says, please, just, just let her go. Let, let her, everything's going to be fine. And God says, well, you know, she made a mistake, and I think, you know, there's a penalty to be paid. So she woke up the next morning. She had leprosy all over. The Bible said she was white as snow. Yeah. You don't like black, you end up with white. Yeah. And for seven days, she lived in leprosy. But by the intervention of him, at least she got to live. The earth didn't open up a swallower or anything like that. So basically what happened again? It was a spirit of rebellion. Where did that come from? It came from one person on the next person. Only he got to the top that time. How many know the top? See, if you can kill this thing at the top and get rid of it, you don't have to worry about it spreading down through the rest of the rest of the congregation or the rest of the stuff. So basically that's what he did. And I, I would guess she straightened up after having leprosy. I don't mean to don't talk much about her anymore in the Bible, but praise God, I think she did that. All right, one more. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Let's quickly in five minutes talk about us now. Second Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more what? So here he's telling us that we need to study the Word of God. We need to spend time in the Word of God. Not just read it, but study the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. Get a revelation from the Word of God. Why is that? Because if not, you're going to end up in profane and vain babbling. Say babblings. Now, how many of you know babblings is not something lined up with the Word of God? Babbling is babbling. 
Basically, you're talking evil. You're talking unbelief. You're talking doubt and unbelief. Notice what happens when that happens. You will increase unto more what? Ungodliness. Ungodliness. Why? Because demonic spirits are now involved in your life, and they're leading you into ungodliness. When you study and show yourself approved, you're advancing in godliness. And we all want to advance in godliness. Verse 17, and their word will eat as does a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetes. Now notice, what, what, what eats like cancer? Word. Say the word. So in other words, the word that they're speaking of unbelief is eating away at them. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How does he do it? He eats people's marriage. He eats people's peace. He eats people's joy. But he does it through your mouth allowing him to come in and do something in your life. It's like a cancer or a canker. It comes in and starts eating things in your life. I mean, you start grumbling about your marriage. You start grumbling about your job. You start grumbling about your boss. When you start doing that stuff, you're allowing demonic spirits to come in there and ruin what's already there. What's he coming? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So how does he do that? He does it through our not lining up with the Word of God and bringing transference of the Spirit into our lives. Look at verse 17. And their word will eat as does a canker. Verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. Now, iniquity is part of the Amalekites, basically. We have iniquity. The way that you advance in the things of God and operate in the Spirit more than anything like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Why did He have the Spirit upon Him, a transfer from God and from the Word without measure? Because He loved righteousness and He hated iniquity. So what? The more iniquity you get out of your life... The more you love righteousness, the more you love righteousness, the more of the Spirit of God is available in your life because He's reacting with your words and reacting with what you're doing, and you'll have a greater anointing on your life as you get rid of iniquity and learn to hate it. Now, this iniquity hatred is in your life. You're not hating iniquity in your life. I'm hating iniquity in my life. Are you following me? So what do I want to do? I want to get that out of there. All right, look at verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If, say if, if a man or woman therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach in patience, in meekness and instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventured would give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves. Now, who, who got them there in the first place? They did that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So notice, if you dug your hole in, you can dig your hole out. You can do it by what you say and what you do. Deliverance can come through you. You don't have to have 42 people say, on you. You can basically just get delivered that way. An example of that is Jesus. Jesus walking along with Peter. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, woohoo! 
that's revelation from God, man. That didn't come from any earthly person. You got a revy from God. Glory to God. And you can speak. You are the anointed. You are the Christ. Ten seconds later, Jesus said, I'm going to go suffer die. No, let, let, me, let me correct you, Lord. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You're not going to, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to do all these things. You know, he, he's educated now. You know, he's getting revelation. <laughs> and what did Jesus say to him? Jesus says, you are a stumbling block to me. You're trying to make me stumble. What you're saying, the words to me, you're trying to make me stumble from my purpose and from my plan. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter certainly wasn't Satan, was he? No, but the words that he was speaking that time came from the wrong realm. They were trying to influence Jesus to back down on something that he was going to do that he knew he had to do. So basically, Jesus recognized it, and he shut it down. How many know Peter was pretty quiet after he called him Satan, probably? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. I'm sure he didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, but what was he doing? He was speaking into his life. That's why you've got to be careful when other people speak into your life, what they're saying in your life. Some of the words coming to you are directly from the pit of hell. Other ones are from the Holy Ghost that will help build you up and help you do it. And you're going to have to know the difference in the spirit realm. Jesus ran into the same thing. And let me tell you what, this was Jesus' right-hand man. This wasn't an outsider coming in there. This was his right-hand number one buddy. Praise God, who was coming in there and trying to throw him off of what was doing. And Jesus said, no, I'm going, to build the, I'm going to build this church on the rock of the word of God and revelation. And the hell will not be able to come against the rock. And if you stay on the rock, Satan will not be able to come in against the gates of hell. Won't even be able to come on you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. By what you're speaking out your mouth, you're controlling evil spirits. Or you're controlling, basically, the spirit of God. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we had to hurry it up a little bit, but time went so darn fast. I just thank you for what you imparted to us tonight, Father. I thank you there would be a, a starting of a revelation in the seat of our hearts tonight that we would learn to know what we're doing, learn our thoughts up with yours, our ways with yours, our mouth with yours, that we may continue to grow in the things of the Lord. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of God on the inside of us. He is our teacher 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I thank you for opening our eyes up to a greater anointing, to a greater love of righteousness, and a greater hatred of iniquity, not only in our lives, but in the world today. I thank you for what you're doing through these Wednesday night teachings, and I give you praise for the changes you're making in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. the key.